Yo, it's a stupidly small podcast. This <laughs> Tuesday, March the 3rd, man. By the way, this has started, you know it's early. I'm Stu Farrell. Hello, Lauren Clark. Hello, it's so nice to do a podcast with you. It's the stupidly small <laughs> podcast. Just in case you've stepped across us for the first time, I'd suggest you step over us and keep walking. But no, welcome. It, welcome aboard. It is good to be back, Lauren Clark. It is, since it yesterday. <laughs> since yesterday, but nonetheless, it's you've always been, good. You've been... Uh, slaving away pretty much since yesterday. You haven't been to bed, have you? It does feel like that. We, uh, on a, on a, for those that haven't listened, I, I just I cook in a kitchen down mm-hmm. the road, and um, on a Monday night we have our ten dollar night, which seems to bring every student uh, and his friend or her friend to the door yeah. for some cheap food, so they can drink more cheap drinks because it's two dollar pots or eight dollar jugs. Wow. And uh, so they give See, that was cheap even in my day. Yeah, right. I think. I'm I mean, pretty sure. Your day. What, what was your day? Uh, what do you mean? Were you one of these people that followed the cheap drinks nights around town? Uh, I followed my mates around town. My mates followed the cheap, the, the cheap drinks. Yeah. Uh, no, there were because I went to Melbourne Uni and there were pubs surrounding Melbourne Uni, you see, mm. um, and they everyone had their favourite and there was sort of politics behind it. And then one day, I can't remember, I think it was Tui's, bought them all. Yes. And suddenly dark all times. the all dark times, mm. all the beers changed, all the, everything about them was just, it was like, it was like all the corner shops surrounding your house had been turned into one big supermarket that you didn't like or something. I don't mm. know. That's not a good metaphor, but you know what I mean? It was, it was bad. And that's when we started looking further afield. And that was a bit, th- but before that, it was like, what's close to the lecture we just finished? Yeah, right. <laughs> Where's cheap? Where's kind of. Students aren't the same, are they? I mean. As humans. Well, they're not so as humans, but they're not the same as they were, say. And this, I know, again, I'm going to sound like grandpa. Yeah. But. Uh, because the suburbs are the same. See, uh, was Melbourne Uni's in Parkville, yeah, Carlton. Right? Well, I, yeah, and I think Melbourne Uni's pretty different. I think there are unis uh, where it's a slightly different, you know, where, where it's kind of a bit more like what it used to be back in my day. Sort of social. Like, well, yeah, and a bit more um, people are chasing the cheap stuff because they are working, you know, three jobs to get and, – and we used to do – there used to be in um, Carlton mm. uh, a place called the Carlton Movie House. I think mm. it was called the Carlton Movie House. What they do there? Well, it's next. To, <laughs> it's next to uh, a, a cafe that used to be called Genevieve. See, everything's totally changed now. But the so sure, playing some old timey music just so you can talk about it. <laughs> and then we all went down for we a two penny suite. But it was. That's mm. what it was. It was like cheapy cheapo, and mm. everybody. And as a result. Everybody went to the movies all the time and everybody talked about – everybody had seen the latest thing. Now, mm. <laughs> I really do don't know. Now, these days, kids <laughs> won't know won't what watch it's them. like. They download them for free on these internets. Oh. Uh, anyway. It's the Apple internet. The Apple internet. <laughs> um, anywho, why am I crapping on? You were talking about your thing. Oh, no, but it's a good point because um, every young person from the surrounding suburbs and right. area, I mean, they must be all sharehouser types. Uh, you know, the sharehouser types. Wow. Yeah, I know. Uh, they all come for the free feed. And it, I was sitting free there. Free feed? Oh, so not free feed. Well, <laughs> it feels like a free feed. Look at you at accidentally revealing your... <laughs> the fact that you're not charging enough for your meals. No, no, but that's the whole idea. Right. So yeah, you, know. you have a Monday night that's cheap night. 
Yeah, and anyway. Do you have to show a student card? No, you can be 75,000 years old and come. Yeah, exactly. But it's a very limited menu. Yeah. Anyway, mm. it, I was sitting there watching these people. Right. Okay. And um, I'll ask you this. I'm pretty sure I might know the answer, but you might surprise me. Oh, what? But I, I was sitting there with my um, person who I was working with. Yeah. And he's, in, in fact, just a little bit older than I am. Yeah. Right? But he's been around the world a, a few times and he's seen a few things. So, yeah. you, you know, he's not like straight, straight out of the... Um, the white box and he's surprised by anything. And we were listening to the DJ play the music and the DJ was playing stuff that uh, when it first came out would cause me to uh, (laughs) use the cricket bat that was no longer in use for cricket on the radio to remove the sound coming out of it. All right. Look, there's a, a bit and of an eighties, nineties revival, Stu. There's a bit of nostalgia. She left that puppy dying. And so that's what's not so bad. Eighties were never good for anything. Anyway. So they're all going off dancing and they're playing the crap music and it's it's this and I just thought to myself, and this this is not um youth based at all. This has nothing to do with age. But I've never understood partying. Huh? The point of partying. What? I don't like partying. Talk about being surprised by things. To party. I do not like to party. Wow. (laughs) So our our old people conversation ended just where it needed to, didn't it? What do you mean you do not like to party? It seems idiotic. It seems like the the dance of the damned. Like to party. Yeah, you're talking. You know what you're doing? You're looking with sobriety. At something that humans do. You know, it's, it's like that thing of how would you explain to aliens why people, dr- you know, what drinking is. You know, you can't. You just Aliens they, know what drinking is. They've been to the cantina bar. <laughs> they know what's going on. My point is you can't go, you can't look at people having fun and go, but why are they having fun? What does that, what does that even mean? What is it? Why are they... What are they doing that's so enjoyable? Look at how they laugh. And it's things. the same as going to the footy or sport. Like group, it, group. It's, um, it's crazy. Going to euphoria, sport is insane. I don't insane. understand. And it really brings out the worst in people. But the partying thing, I've, I've, New Year, like you go back to New Year's Eve or you go to your birthday, never been a party. Never a, been a rager. You're a fun guy, aren't you, Stu? Never been. Well, what's, what's the point of raging? Well, yeah. no, well, raging is different from partying. Is it oh, raging like... Raging is different from partying. <laughs> well, excuse me, but you're the one who set this up, buddy. Uh, it's not a set up. It was just an observation I had last night no, at midnight. I just, well, I know, but, but uh, that's... I think if you're, if you're having just a stupidly good time mm. um, and, and you're not thinking, that's the thing, you're not thinking about how you look or how what people think of you and you are wearing a onesie and, Ooh. you know, like... But, dancing to Taylor Swift or whatever, you, nobody, you don't care what anybody thinks of you, power to you. Like really? I reckon that is a good so you're place saying, to be. I do, really? Yeah. You, if you don't care what anyone else thinks. See, this is the if, problem with what's going on in the world. Why? Oh, nobody no. cares enough for well, what anyone else thinks. You don't like trash the environment and not care about the people around you and stuff. You, you, you've got to be, you know, mindful of the we fact that you're a human being in a society. But... I can't believe we're deconstructing having a having a good time. <laughs> this is officially the grumpiest we've ever got. 
but yeah. do you think it's a reflection of what's going on in our own lives at the moment? For that, sure. I mean, just to let the listener in a little bit, we were just saying before we started this morning's podcast that we are a little bit stretched. We are stretched thin at the moment. Stretched you know, would be like, a very, very yeah. So four to five hours sleep yeah. of an evening. And like the rest of the time, just flat out belting <laughs> to get everything so done. Would cause one to maybe uh, think think that partying is a waste of party? time. <laughs> but that's all right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you look, I'd like to revisit this topic in maybe six months. Uh, true, but also, I you know, I I had I'm not a big fan of New Year's either. But man, I've had some fun New Year's parties. See, I never have. Ah, uh, like you. you You've got to just if you if you're having um if you're having such a good time that you're not actually that that you're just all you're thinking about is like I'm having an awesome time like you're not thinking about oh should I be going should I be you know that that is a, a state that I think it's a lovely place to be in. I don't think I've ever been there. Really? Well, I've never like pulled myself up and said I'm having an awesome time. How about at Meredith. Oh no, no! Oh. I don't know. I think. Oh no! <laughs> I think having for me the perfect, the but most awesome is... time could be sitting on a balcony, looking at the ocean, having a glass of a wine. big feed and a glass of wine. And yeah, that'd be you. Yeah, well, look, that's, that's, see, that's me. You, that's though. raging. But no, that's but that's not raging, and it's not partying. But it is being present in the moment and not giving a crap about the. You know, like just sitting there going, this this is the moment. This is awesome. Like this is brilliant. Like and mm-hmm. and being sort of preoccupied by how brilliant this is. Well, I suppose we spend our lives doing what we don't like to do so we can maybe end up in that position uh, at one stage in our life. You, you like know? what you do. i tell you what I do like is comedy and humour. And who's waiting out in the green room? I know. We should probably – should we, we open should the be, door? But you know what? Let's. Did let's, anyone get him a cup of tea? <laughs> I don't know. He might be grumpy as well. But <laughs> let's get Mr. John Clark in to talk about – well, he's a, he can tell us actually. The, and uh, we'll yeah. light, lighten the mood a little. Okay, good. All right, let's, let's cheer t- up. Let's talk about, you know, happy things. Happy. Not, not um, what did you say? Party? I, I do not like to party. Let's not talk about that ever again. Is that a deal? It's a deal. Excellent. Stupid. All right, step up, ladies and gentlemen. Lauren, are you ready? Oh, yeah. It's time for us to learn. And joining us and here to teach us is writer and performer John Clark with the History of Humour. G'day, John. How do you do? Well, I'm I'm doing well, thank you very much. And I must say, we are here to learn. And uh, Joyce Grenfell... Yes. Who's who we're going to speak about. I, yes. I'm going to admit my ignorance here. I don't know a thing. So Good. start so at the I'm top. In, I'm on reasonably safe ground here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get any Dorothy Dixon. Yeah, well, I, I, we were speaking about the period when the stage was the great place for any kind of um, performance, hmm. um, humour and comedy included, and a lot of it was musical, of course, and... Uh, we were talking about this in America in particular. Joyce Grenfell, however, is very English. And in England at the time, there was a huge, similarly huge, boom in theatrical entertainment because people were beginning to get a little bit of money and they were beginning to go out at night and they wanted to be entertained. And there was a big tradition in what was called Music Hall, um, which was basically clubs, um, 
So um, live band or? Yeah, live music and uh, uh, working men's clubs and big halls in big industrial towns. So drinking, singing, uh, No, I don't no? think you could drink. It was a okay. theatre. You got a seat in a row. Seated, right. Um, you probably had a couple afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but there were these huge numbers of acts which came through your town and you went to see them. Similar in lots of other countries, including Australia. A lot of these acts came through Australia. I mean, Dickens came to Australia and Mark Twain came to Australia and Joyce Grenfell certainly came to Australia. Really? To read or...? Well, to do, in her case, to do her characters. She did characters. She didn't do readings. She pretended to be other people. She did. She wrote these little sort of one-act plays almost. Where she, she would a a one-woman show? A one-woman show, but she could also do her characters in a conventional night of different other people. Okay. She would come out and do... So she's a character comedian. She's a character comedian who wrote all of her own material. Mm. And she is also part of this transition from the stage to the media that were then becoming popular, the cinema. She's in the some St Trinian's movies in England and a lot of what were called Ealing comedies because they were made in Ealing. Clever that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and she also wrote books and so on. And she was from a quite wealthy family and the other tradition in which she falls is what used to be called parlour entertainment. Where Could just pull you up. You said she wrote books. Mm. Now, I mean, being a character comedian, I, I imagine she's not writing as someone else. What What were the books? No, the books were again. Yes, very perceptive. The books were in character, and the books were often linked to the stuff she was doing on stage. So when a character would get terribly famous, she would do a book of that character, and this was all to do with how you earn a living, because maybe so also early marketing. Yeah, early marketing, quite. So, um, and you could do it anywhere in the English-speaking world. And the parlour entertainment was when people would sit around at home and each person who had any ability to do anything would be encouraged to get up and do it. Right. So people would play the piano and sing. Do a card trick. Do a card trick. Uh, yeah, do their funny walk or mm. do the, that <laughs> funny thing you did about the guy you saw in the street the other day or whatever it was. Yeah. And in rather wealthy families, they were quite... Um, they often had a musical education or they had enough theatre to do a bit of Shakespeare or read a Tennyson poem or something. You know. So people would do this. And what she did was funny. In her family, she was funny. Right. So she emerged from being funny in the family to funny on the stage to funny in the what, cinema. How, what era are we talking? Well, she was about um, your grandmother's age. She was born, you know, in about 1910... Um, right. And she lives through to the seventies. And she's, and she's a woman who thinks she has a right to be funny. That's interesting enough on its own, isn't it? I mean, that's it, right. Was there? Did she enter a tradition? Did she had to have to fight her way in somewhere to do that? Or uh, yeah, well, she had a relative who we'll come to another day, who I think is one of the most brilliant people in the history of humour, a woman called Ruth Draper who was a relative of Joyce Grenfell, and Joyce Grenfell saw her perform when she was a little girl. And if you're going to get a model, Ruth Draper's not a bad one. And she's very much in the tradition of Ruth Draper, who was American and operated in various different ways, but essentially was doing the same sort of thing. And 
I remember seeing Joyce Grenfell when I was a kid and uh, in New Zealand. Well, on and, stage? Yeah. Huh. These people went all over the world um, and they did their shows. And she'd come out and she'd do a character and within 20 seconds of her starting, you'd know who the character was, even if you didn't know a character like that. Like she would be a rather well-off English woman who was attending a school reunion and nobody quite remembered her. <laughs> and she had to keep repeating who she was. And and she was one end of a conversation? Yeah, she was one end of a conversation. So we're imagining the other end? That's right. Right. And, and she I would was, tour, say, yeah. in New Zealand. Sorry. Yeah. And so the audience mightn't necessarily know anything she's done. Like, no. so, so she, so She's not like she's walking out as Con the Fruiterer and everyone just goes mad because they well, know that character. To a degree, she would be well known through... Uh, reputation and largely radio. Radio had taken oh, an okay. had, had produced an audience worldwide for people who were well known locally. So if you were a well known comedian in England, you would be well known in Australia and New Zealand. Right. If you're a well known comedian in America, you would be well known in Australia. If you're a well known comedian in Australia and New Zealand, no one else would have heard of you. <laughs> Unless you went to America or Britain. That's where you got your culture from. So that's, and it was radio, film. So that's how you found yourself there. We, we, it, was yeah. it one of those things where your friends, everyone knew about her? Was she a bit well, famous? Well, my mother took me because my mother liked Joyce Grenfell. And, um, but you would identify the character without ever having seen the character before. Right. It was a strange sort of experience where your imagination leaps immediately to grasp the thing that's funny because it wants to. Um, it's quite an interesting thing that you noticed in yourself as a small kid. You were recognising a human behaviour you hadn't actually seen before. Right. And she was very good at doing this and she was musical, so she sang and she made herself as gormless as possible. <laughs> she did a couple of things that were very brilliant where she <clears throat> is implying the other voices. She could only do one voice. So you make the other ones up. Mm. Um there's a famous one where she's teaching a kindergarten or something and she's talking to kids um, and she's, all, she's explaining to you how the kindergarten works or something and there's a kid called George who is doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing. So every now and again she says, just excuse me, George, don't do that. <laughs> and George is a tiger. So George continues to do things, mm. bad things, you know. So she's, you know, George, put Eleanor down. <laughs> and whatever he's doing, it's just, he's, you know, get, get, get me, get rid of George. Yeah. Take George so is this recorded? Is there records? Yep. Your final record you can buy? I would say it's mostly recorded. And mm. when she did the films, she was playing characters in the films that were very like the characters. How did that translate to film? Like from a one-woman show with one voice? Yes. To film, what she would actually just play the whole character with people. Yeah, she would, but she was doing sort of similar characters, and a lot of in those days, British film and American film would often get people who were famously good at doing stuff and put them in a film together. Mm. The film almost wouldn't matter; it was the fact that we've got them together. Yeah, it was called an ensemble film, and there are plenty of them. They're still doing them every now and again, and you think it's sometimes they're not quite the sum of the parts. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's a difficult concept actually because you're inclined to think that they're all you know it gets better and better and better as you add these names but you could equally argue they subtract 
from each other could, could or you, get in one another's way. Yeah. Is there, uh, just to finish up, is there a it, an obvious place where she is echoed today? Like, Or were there people who were influenced by her, do you think? Or is it... Well, that's. I tend to think that a lot of what she did was so based on theatre mm. that once radio becomes television, they're really that form begins to drift away yeah. out of general Until use. maybe Saturday Night Live and things like that come back and there's a maybe. bit of a comedy world. Or until you get people like Eddie Izzard who are constantly... Um, miming other people in discussions and yeah. having a discussion where there are 12 people but he's doing all of it. Right. Um, in other words, a comic imagination. You, with Eddie Izzard, you're being walked through a comic imagination Yeah. in a way that's really quite unusual for this period because yeah. a lot of those devices are really the old devices of theatre. Yeah. Well, the history of humour here at Stupidly Small continues. John Clark, thanks for joining us again, and we will speak to you next time. And I must apologise for throwing in Joyce Grenfell and Con the Fruiterer in the same sentence. No, I don't think that. I think that's entirely appropriate. Thank God. Speak to you next time. See ya. Stupid. Hey, Stu. Yo. Did you partake yesterday in, I know you didn't because you were locked in a cupboard serving dungeon, food. Dungeon, I prefer dungeon. Dungeon serving <laughs> food to people who like to party. But uh, did you see any of the stuff about George Brandis? Uh, you know, I haven't, <clears throat> and I listen to news radio all day. Right. No. Okay, so this is the sort of thing you miss out on. For news radio, as you know, I'm a huge advocate of news radio, mm. for news radio, um, but uh, this is the sort of thing you miss out on. Okay. Um, and for those who don't particularly care about politics, it doesn't really matter. The, the, the point of it is that who there's is George a Brandis? lovely man called George Brandis mm. who, you know, if he was a Roald Dahl character, you know, drawn by Quentin Blake, yeah. he would be massive and kind of covered in... Would he have sharp teeth? You know, that sort of thing. Mm. And he'd, be, he'd just be this... Anyway, he's sort of... Um, small-minded uh, hater, right? Mm. Anyway, he uh, yesterday he, he he's he's probably the biggest advocate for we need to see all of the data. We need to see all of your phone calls. We need to see all of your emails. We need to see everything uh, that you're up to as humans in this country. And um, but by the way, for security reasons, uh, we. Uh, protected from having to reveal anything about anything we ever do. No. Uh, but anyway, you guys need to be open with your data. And if you've got nothing to hide, you won't, you won't, none of that will be called into question. So yesterday, a campaign started, or the day before, uh, which was um, CC George Brandis into every email. Right, okay. Right? So people started doing that. So people were writing, you know, hey, Dave, can you. Like the printer's broken in the you know storeroom. Can you come down and get it? CC George Brandis. That's a pretty boring email. Pretty boring email. Like all the boring ones, but also hilarious ones, silly ones, whatever. Every email, George Brandis got CC'd. Uh, and uh, the other thing that, that happened was that somebody figured out he was on iTalk, which is, you know, like the, oh, right, sorry, iTalk. God, now I am 100. iMessage. Apple's iTalk. Apple's iTalk. Uh, iMessage, which is, you know, the, the data. I know. Oh, I've got a Sony. I've, okay, got, for, I've got a bespoke it. little handmade it's the message, thing here. It's the messaging service that's uh, on your iPhone that is on data, right? So basically... Should we mention can, McDonald's as well? Hey, Hello. hey, hey, yeah. hey. 
hey, right. you can message someone, mm. like text message them basically using their uh, email address. Great. So he gets absolutely inundated and people are putting pictures up on Twitter of their messages that they've sent with like, you know, um, hi, uh, George, could you please do something about the environment? Sincerely. Dave, whatever. Dave sending a lot of emails. Yeah, <laughs> and then you, and in the pictures you could on Twitter it said red five forty five. You know how? Oh yes. Like on yes. Fo- some phones, it can, yeah. you can see who when they've read it. Anyway, so obviously they got, he got slammed. They figured out a whole lot of other politicians had iMessage as well. They did the same thing. My whole thing about it was that it felt and people loved it, but it felt. Like when school kids mm. get revenge, you know, on teachers. Like it felt like somebody's figured out the password <laughs> to, you know, the the school computer, or somebody's. Uh, like I remember one time at our school, um, while the PE teacher said, "I'll be back in a minute. You guys do drills here in the inside in in the indoor sports thing." Uh, and we somebody went and found um, some sport uniforms, mm. and everybody just got into uniform. By the time the teacher was back, everyone was in uniform, and like everybody thought that they were so like hilarious. That, really? Yeah, we were in year seven or year eight or something. Should have been a bit wiser than that. And it, no, really, mm-hmm. you would have what set fire to them or something. Anyway, your school. You know, I had a very small tendency towards lighting fires. I don't think I should be (laughs) accused of setting everything I came across in that that period. That is so funny (laughs) that you just let that slip. What do you mean you had a very small tendency? I've been a couple of bushes down. Hardly. Were you one of those hedgy ones? The hedge burners? No, I was young. I was burning my my parents' bushes down. You burnt your parents' bushes down? Accidentally. And a neighbour's. But, and I used to lie in bed and light matches and throw the matches behind my bed. Wow. But that's, look, that's for the doctors to worry about. Wow. Mm. Okay. Wow. That's, we've got to talk about that another day. Anyway, point <laughs> being, it felt like <laughs> that kind of revenge. Like it felt like a little – and, of course, like, you know, measures will have been taken by today. The party will be over. Yeah. We you missed know? out. It's what happened – well, it's what happened at school too. They, The adults would figure it out and they'd – They'd sort of, you know, say, well, that's a done deal. But uh, for one day, the kids got a go. All right, well, give it a crack. It's gbrandis at hotmail.com.au. No, it's not. What is it then? I don't know, but it's online. I'll stick a link up if I can remember. Lauren, we've got to get out of here. Speaking of online, find us at Twitter, Facebook, Apple, iTunes, store, leave a rating and a comment if you can because it helps us a heap. Don't forget, I've got to check that PO box because I do believe there's a little present sitting in there for us. Lauren Clark. Yes. Thanks so much for this morning. Thanks for slapping me with that stick underneath the table every time you look like I might have dozed off. You were looking a bit dozy at a couple of points. Thanks to John for coming in. He'll be continuing his uh, series on humour hopefully very soon. Mm. And uh, we love to see him early in the morning as well. Lauren. You are going to sleep. Yes. Have a great day. Until (laughs) tomorrow, let's get our... Let's uh, I'll tell you what we should do. Yes. We should go and party. And we will see you tomorrow. Oh my god. Everybody have a nice party. Okay, bye bye. Yeah.